off top dap like the elaborate handshakes that we see particularly in nba playoffs a lot it's originated in the vietnam war between black gis as a way to communicate solidarity and support for one another lots of uh gis were court-martialed and run out of the military because a lot of the white soldiers found dap to be threatening play the music This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. That was not as upbeat as as I would like to start. I learned that DAP stands for Dignity and Pride. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's an acronym. I just learned that I've now culturally appropriated something else. That's good to know. <laughs> I guess it was obvious before that. Yeah, now I know yeah. for certain. Yeah, DAP is mainstream. It's not just like a uh, like a hip hop music cultural appropriation. Yeah, like it is uh, tantamount to stealing. Negro spirituals. There you go. Hope you feel good about that. Sure, sure do. <laughs> Basketball. It's fun. It's very fun. It's confusing. It's fun. So I've been thinking about how to talk about this, and I have to take a big L because I yell a lot about how super teams are good for the sport. And, man, this is a pretty fun playoffs, and we have a lot of opposites of super teams. There is no team in the playoffs that I feel completely comfortable or confident in. And they're all teams that I want to watch and I enjoy watching. Well, the exception of that uh, Heat Knicks series. Sorry. I know I know that you're going to judge me and the Heat. Everyone loves them. It's a lot of fun and good story about the Knicks. But there's a lot of really good, exciting basketball being played. And the Heat just blow the Knicks out. And the Knicks just look inept. It's not nearly as fun as the rest of the games. But uh, I was wrong. And maybe I'll hold on to being right about one thing. Regular season will be more interested if we had a super team or two to watch, go after um, history and be great and everyone to get up to play them every now and then. I don't know, but it just feels it's surprising. It's counterintuitive. I mean, I guess it's actually more intuitive, but it felt like when it come to make sense for me is who can knock off the big team and how good can the big team play? That's what normally motivated me to sit down and I will watch other games to see how or other series to see how good these other teams look, see if they could challenge LeBron or they could challenge Golden State or something like that. But this year has been so much fun and it hasn't even been great basketball. There have been like spurts of great basketball. I don't think we've had as many really great games this early in the, in the playoffs as we had before. But the teams who give us the great games almost inevitably come up the next week and we're like baffled by how bad they can be. Like Devin Booker's the only guy who I'm like every single game, he's like risen to the occasion and everybody else and every other team comes up short every now and then. Curry too, but um, Curry too. Nah. Yeah. But so, Part of the reason why I think this playoffs is so much fun. Jokic, maybe Jokic. Yeah, yeah. He had a couple games where Murray carried him in the first round, but yeah, it's fair. What I think is so fun about this, and I know this is cliche after cliche, and this is gonna, this is gonna be a very Simmonsy point, but the championship belt is actually up for grabs in the NBA this season, and that's not always the case. And I looked at it, and of the eight teams remaining in the postseason, I could see four and a half guys just claiming the championship belt at the end of this season as who we think of as the best player in the world. And, you know, for years, it didn't matter who won. LeBron was going to have that mantle. Um, and then, you know, Steph and KD sort of cannibalized themselves in that period. And we gave it to Giannis, the 51. 51 uh, McNuggets ordered the next day. Um, <laughs> that was his. great. But now, like, that is not clear. He is not clearly the best guy. He was limited in the first round. And the four and a half guys I have are one, Nikola Jokic, the two-time MVP, who dropped that 53 the other night, I think has offensively been the guy we could count on more than anyone else. Two is Steph Curry. He wins back-to-back titles. Um, this is not the most talented Warriors team. It's out there. It's possible. Three is Devin Booker. I think this is shocking because we didn't think there'd be a young American player. We thought it could be Jason Tatum. We thought it could be Zion. We thought it could be Anthony Edwards. We thought it could be John Moran. Booker is what we wanted that to be that guy to be. He's the only Kobe system guy who can be the A1 on one of these teams. And he's made the finals just like Tatum has. 
the fourth one is Jimmy Butler. If he wins the title with the Heat team that was an eight seed, there's going to be no debates there. And then the point five is Anthony Davis because he shows up every other game. And if they win the title, even if he's the best player in the world, it's going to be really hard to parse with like, uh, you know, old peg leg LeBron next to him, you know. Yeah, maybe I should. Um, maybe I'm being ageist here, but I feel like Jimmy Butler and Steph Curry have aged out of this. What? Yeah, I think of being the of having that throne, they've aged out to me. Like they can have like late careers. Steph Curry's not in his prime. He's playing okay. like he's in his prime, but he's not in his prime. <laughs> so Steph Curry wins back to back titles and wins a title this year where he, you know, knocks off that fun Kings team, knocks off LeBron, knocks off either Jokic or Katie and Booker in the next round, and either Tatum or Butler in the final. Sorry, Joel Embiid, you're out. Uh, uh, you're not going to say that Curry is the best player in the world. You will not give him the championship belt as the best player in the NBA. He's going to knock off AD, not LeBron, to be clear. And yeah, I mean, I guess it's a different conversation. I, I, it'd be, be foolish for me to act like he's, his impact is not huge. I didn't feel like last year, uh, and this year is similar to last year in that there was some bit of like question around who was going to win the title i thought it was going to be the celtics yeah and they fell apart in the finals but i guess maybe i'm making a different point and i don't know if it falls in the championship belt category but it feels like to me that there's no age component to that like do you think steph is in his prime uh so that's an interesting conversation because no i don't think he will ever have a regular season like 2016 again but I think he is playing better as a postseason basketball player than he has ever played. I think he's so completely dominant. And he's so in control of the moment. So does like, the regular season matter at all? Because that's I think no, that's what I know. It's become completely fucking irrelevant. It's so annoying. That's kind of so what annoying. I'm hung up on is like to be the championship belt holder. You're the best player from week to week in the regular season. Like you're yeah. the guy. And it's hard for me to say like Jimmy Butler, who is going to coast all of next season and coast it much of this season. Steph, who is going to do his Steph thing and may miss a few games here and there for injuries and sometimes load management. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to say this guy has the belt. That's why I felt comfortable putting it around Giannis. Giannis's waist because he was dominant in the playoffs and then was winning MVPs. And so I'm not sure that it's open. Maybe I need to come up with a different title or maybe we need to call Bill Simmons to find out what's the true definition of the championship belt. But um, I don't think that you can be a guy who is not competitive for MVP conversation mm -hmm. talks and be the belt holder and be the championship belt holder. That's all. So in, in your mind, Jokic has to win the title to take the belt. And then Jokic is the one guy left who can be that guy. Um, or I guess indeed too, but I just yeah. don't see that team and the way that he's playing, the way he looks injured winning the title. That seems right. I mean, we can go back through history and I guess um, LeBron went several years holding the belt without winning a championship, yeah. but he was still throughout the regular season. He was still just like the guy. Yeah. It was like, it's and the postseason too. Yeah. Yeah. He was the postseason too. Yeah. I, I still hold on to that. What was it? 2018 that game won the um jr smith game the 51 point game yeah they lost that game but that might have been the best basketball game i've ever seen one person play lebron oh, was yeah. out of his mind and that's it find that so that's i think that's how i can better explain my age component i didn't know what it was but that's it it's like you can't be the championship belt holder just because you show up in the playoffs and then dominate in your mid to late 30s and then come back next season and just coast your way to the playoffs. I just don't. I think it's Devin Booker has a has an opportunity. He's yeah. going to have to play he like does. this for the rest of the regular or excuse me, the rest of the playoffs and win a championship with this flawed team. And then Devin Booker will be entered into a stratosphere that, frankly, he probably belongs in. But you were saying this earlier, and this is another one where I might have to eat some crow, is how I said that uh, this is before I had a podcast. I would mess with you about how there were no young American stars and that the future of the NBA is international. Like all the young, interesting, talented players are from somewhere else, yeah. which is fine. However, I and I said there was a couple players who had a chance, but I didn't think it was a realistic chance. Like John Morant had a chance, but I was like, yeah. I don't think John Moran is going to be better than Embiid, Jokic, Giannis, Victor, any of these guys that are in here now. 
uh, Devin Booker has that chance. I'm not sure that he will get that. I'm not sure how realistic that chance is, but if he can put this deeply thin and flawed team on his back, not completely on his back because KD's playing well, but Devin Booker's going to be the MVP of this team if they go deep. And if they win in the finals, I'm, I mean, KD's going to give him some games, but Devin, what he's doing on both ends of the floor. And I spent way too much time looking for some quality uh, advanced defensive stats. There aren't any, but I just go my eye tests. Devin Booker has been balling on both ends of the floor, the whole playoffs. The Booker thing is really, really fascinating. Um, first of all, the Suns are 34 and 19 when he played this season. He got injured. He's been a durable basketball player for most of his career. So they were really in what's a thinner Western conference. They were a two seed when he was on the floor as their best player. Um, with Chris Paul out, the Suns are simply seem to be a better team, as crazy as that sounds. And what it's doing is you're unlocking someone who played point guard for a couple of years on an inept Suns team when we thought that Devin Booker was just going to be a chucker, when we thought we thought he was going to be a rich man's Bradley Beal. He got all of these reps becoming like a pick and roll maestro and running a bad team. What we're now seeing is the highest end of what Devin Booker could be. This is a really interesting player who was a borderline top 20 recruit. This is someone who was like a brawny level recruit, who was a bench player on that Kentucky team. Remember the Kentucky team that had like yeah. the blue team and white team? They had the different squads. They'd sub five in and five out. He was an afterthought after Carl Towns on that team, in my opinion. And people are like, ooh, this guy's so skilled. Then he came to the NBA and he had the full Kobe system BS where it's just like, I'm going to intentionally take tough, tough shots. Like, I'm, I'm a killer out here. And I was like rolling my eyes like, okay, Devin Booker, like, go, go date another Jenner and like, I'll see you lose the second round. Uh, but this is a true late blooming situation where he's becoming a basketball player that's not like a Jason Tatum or a John Morant or really a Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson where we saw this. If you'd asked me even three months ago, could you see him being the best player on a finalist or a team that won the NBA title? I would have laughed at you. And that is completely possible now. He's only 26, too. Yeah. Like, I know he's been in our like consciousness for a while. He's been in the league for eight years, and he was a one-and-done guy. And he's like, he's had big moments, like 70-point game and stuff like that. And, it and we was mocked like, him for that game. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I feel like some of those things have, like, uh, hurt him, hurt the way that he's perceived because you hold that up and you're not like Wilt held up the 100, but Wilt was also <laughs> winning championships and, and there was no scored a hundred points. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a hundred points. 70 is a lot too, though, but um, yeah, but he's only 26. And if guys are playing into their mid thirties, which we just talked yeah. about competitively, then he's got a chance. And I mentioned this a was a, I don't know how, a few weeks ago when Devin Booker was balling in the playoffs about, uh, at first, what what dif- what could they do different with this team if they did not make this commitment to Kevin Durant? Which, like, is stupid because Kevin Durant is great. I wouldn't ask anyone not to make that trade. I like it. He comes in handy. He's an incredible player, but it seems... He comes in handy. Ooh, it sounds Kevin insulting. Durant comes in handy. It sounds insulting. I didn't mean it that way. Kevin Durant is, is excellent. You know, I'm a big KD fan. You're the KD hater. He's, he's very handy. <laughs> he's very handy. But nobody predicted that, it, or at least I didn't predict, that it would feel clearly like Devin Booker's team. Yeah. Which it does. Uh, and KD takes big shots. He hits big shots. But it's part of when you just come into a to a team midway through the season. It's not going to like the the power dynamics aren't going to shift immediately. And KD seems to have a personality that's completely fine with it. He just want to hoop. And yeah. that works well with Devin Booker. So the thing about the, the Durant Booker thing is you know, people have always said that Durant's like the most malleable superstar of all time. You can put him on any team. The ball only needs to touch his hands for a tenth of a second for him to give you two points or three points. And that is still true. And I think early in this postseason, that worked to his detriment. That like he was just willing to play a role that Mikhail Bridges played and instead score 28, but not impact the game as much as we're accustomed to Kevin Durant impacting the game. Now it's interesting because there seem to be specific roles where they can get good offense anytime they want. There's the clip of Jokic on the bench in game four being like, they only have two guys. They only, how can we not stop them? And the reason is, is because those two guys are two of the like five unstoppable players in the NBA. And, you know, running a spread, spread pick and roll with two guys who are that efficient in that system is always going to be good offense. I, 
I will still be surprised if the, this Phoenix Suns team win the title. I really will. But their ceiling, to me, is a lot higher than I thought it was even four days ago. It shows how unpredictable the playoffs are. But I thought we were on the verge of a five-game series. Yeah. It just felt that way. Yeah, I'd be surprised too. But, I mean, this feels like the season or the year where a surprise is possible. Mm -hmm. And also, is there anybody in NBA whose dad wasn't also a basketball player? I didn't realize that Melvin Booker was is Kevin or Kevin is Devin Booker's dad and he played basketball for a few years professionally like I guess that that should be like understood that really tall people <laughs> who are coordinated are gonna make other really tall people who are coordinated and then get them in basketball early but it's it's I don't know I guess it's I shouldn't be annoyed by it but it just seems to be the case that everybody in the NBA had a dad who at least played in Europe which I guess should be obvious. I have it. I actually have a stat for you on that. Oh, God. This is from Wall Street Journal. They have uh, biographical data that of the NBA players, 48.8% of them are related to current or former elite athletes. Finds anyone who played professional or NCAA or NCAA or national team level sports. So it's like, and that has to be the highest of any of these sports, just purely because height is such a uh, limiting factor for who can make the league. Yeah. I mean, it's happening in other sports too, where I feel like there's a lot um, more uh and i guess this is the first this is probably one of the early generations of like athletes children of athletes who made real money yeah and like having that money and that access and the athletic ability i think it's probably uh conducive to being successful in life the access to like devin booker clearly someone who's been around basketball his whole life like he seems comfortable with with the moments he seems comfortable with all the moves that he's probably been working on since he was 10. It's it, when you see like, uh, and I'm around a lot of youth sports, obviously with three kids, there are kids out there that you're just like, Oh yeah, that kid. Yeah. He's, he's just more comfortable physically or she's just more comfortable physically than everyone else. And then to think of the level that Devin Booker must've been on at that age. And still he wasn't even like a top of the top uh, can't miss recruit. It's kind of mind blowing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like this is something that didn't happen to you because you were that kid. But there's a point when you're like, I think it's 12 to 14. I think before 12, you know that there's some kids who are really good at spot sports. But then like that age, you play with someone or you play against someone who's like going to get money for their sport. Yeah. And you're like, OK, that dream's dead for me. That, that dream is absolutely dead for me. This, <laughs> this we are a different species. <laughs> yeah. My dad didn't play sports. My mom didn't either. Hmm. Um, so. I want to ask you about the about. I want to flip back to the Steph thing. I, if I say to you that I think he's the best player in the world, you're adamantly against that. Um, yes, adamantly opposed to it. He he can be the most impactful. He can be the most clutch. He can be a lot of other things, but you can't be the best player in the world if you are not competing for MVPs. If you're not going to be in the MVP voting, like I think he was like 12 or something. Yeah, he and, was half the year. Yeah, you got to be in the top five at least uh um every year like that's that to me feels like the championship belt um and the championship belt a sovereign championship belt the championship itself we talked about how that's up for grabs can you handicap this at all like do you feel uh, i feel comfortable saying that the heat and the knicks neither of them are going to win the championship I'm probably wrong because I've been wrong all playoffs, but that's the only, those are the only two teams of the eight. Every, are, you ready, are you ready for this? What are you about to say? The Heat. Ryan Cortez, flip it. <laughs> the Miami Heat are going to the NBA Finals. <sighs> going to the Finals. Okay. I mean, it's possible. I, I, I can't say it's not possible, but they would have, they'll be the first, obviously, ever to win from the eight seed. Um, and so beating Milwaukee, crazy, unacceptable fluke beating or not fluke, but like rarity, like that's a, a once in, uh, I don't know, 50 years occurrence that an eight beats a one and they yeah. weren't even a true eight cause they lost their first, um, playing game. But anyway, so that happened then beating New York, they were a five seed. All right. That's reasonable. And they're better than New York. Then they got to beat. Boston, presumably, which I know they play Boston hard and everybody from Boston respects the heat. Well, then, wait, wait, let's take let's take a second on this Boston series. It's going to be Boston or Philly. And let's just does that Boston team 
not have a little bit of stink on them right now where you're like, you have eight really good. I'm serious. You have eight really good players. You got multiple guys who think they should have won defensive player of the year. You have Tatum and Brown, who are supposed to be the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard duo. And to quote Doc Rivers, they're playing with their bleep. Like, this team just needs to win these games. Then you know if, if Joel wins the series, he gets put in absolute hell against that Heat team. And if you put James Harden in South Beach, get ready for two for 11 games for the entire conference finals. Like, I knew James Harden. He's focused, man. He's not going yeah, out. He's very focused on, you know, two for 11 with the, you know, two ones in the middle of that name. <laughs> All right. So I, I'm fine with this, but let me finish. So okay. that's, they have to beat Boston and then they're going to go to finals and play somebody from the West, anybody from the West, all the teams from the West that are still there are better than them. It does seem that way. With the exception of maybe Phoenix, maybe Phoenix isn't better than them, but I would still think Phoenix is probably better than them. So I, as much as I love Miami and love Ryan Cortez and all the people down in Miami, I can't lie to myself. I can't lie to myself. They wanted, they didn't even want to get in the playoff. So like, all right, I think that it's fair to say that the Knicks and the Heat are not winning the okay, championship. Fine. Maybe I'll, all right. So the first round, once in a lifetime thing happens. The second round, all right, they deserve to beat them. They're better than them. The third round, they're going to be playing Boston or the Celtics. Again, another once in a lifetime occurrence would have to take place. And then in the championship, they have to do it three times in one run. That's hard for me to believe, even for all the Heat culture. That'll go down in history. I, I think. I'll take back anything I said about Jimmy Butler being the best player in the NBA. I don't care if he only plays three games next season. If they do that and he keeps playing like he's playing, then he might be the best player of all time. Because that's what we like in history. We always point to players, great players who come up short and we're like, well, they didn't have the help. They didn't have the help. They can't say that shit no more. If Jimmy right? Butler wins a title like this because he don't have the help. And he is going to get it done or he could get it done. So, yeah, that's that's absurd. I think they're going to the finals. I think he's got. First of all, Jim Butler's the best player in the Eastern Conference this lap. He's just straight up the best player in the Eastern Conference. Do I think he's going to win the finals? Probably not. So you're you're serious. You think they they would beat Boston? I do think they're going to beat Boston. And you think they beat Philly? I think they have a chance to beat Philly. But I think there is a legitimate mismatch of dogs in that series there's so much dog in miami and oh, boston God. is legitimately dogless right now <laughs> boston is not dogless they've lost they're, their dog they're... there are missing signs all over like massachusetts <laughs> dog missing call brad uh, stevens if found oh gosh well i mean i thought marcus smart was supposed to be the the pj tucker like attitude of this team i don't know what's happening he like he's weird that he plays well but i also watch him and i'm like mm, i don't know <laughs> it doesn't it never feels good but he's always contributing like i don't want to knock him because he is always it feels like he's hit he takes a lot of big shots and he misses some of them but he hits more than enough that i'm not like mad at him if i'm a, a celtics fan but if you switched Derek white and marcus smart's hairlines Marcus Smart would be out of the rotation and we would be talking about <laughs> you Derek it, White. You think it's just the hairline? It's, he just doesn't look as cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the hairline and the green hair. It's not the hairline, it's the green hair. It's both, yeah. <sighs> All right. And yeah, so is there anybody that you feel like is it's a blown opportunity for? Because I'm looking at you, Denver. If Denver yes, doesn't win a championship this year, that's the only team that I'm thinking this is a missed opportunity. Everything broke right for you. You're healthier than uh, you've been in recent history. And you got a pretty clear path uh, to the championship and a weaker East. If they come up short this year, this is probably the first year that I think it would be fair to start leveling some criticism on Jokic. If they don't win, it's like, yeah, you were supposed to win this year. I think that Denver's the best team. I think that they should win the West. I think they probably should win the title. And like all jokes aside, I think I really, I really do think I, I think I said this in a podcast earlier this year where it's like, we, we kept caveating Jokic. Hmm. He's, he could win a third MVP, but we know Giannis is not the best. Giannis is the best player in the world. I actually think that like, this is a, would be a huge best opportunity because I do think him and Curry 
are like in all actuality, probably the two best guys. And I think he has a better team than in Golden State or Phoenix or LA. Um, I don't think his path will ever get easier than this. And, you know, he's been an incredible playoff performer. So it's like the time is now. This is the time when guys have to start winning in the NBA. And you are completely dominant at your position against anyone you're going to go up against. I said this, I think, on Bomani's podcast before the playoffs started, and I got like a lot of pushback on it. And I, I've accepted that I was wrong on a few things. So I feel like I can say I'm right about this. Michael Porter Jr. is the key to that team. You think and so? Yeah, I think so. I think his, his, um, when he plays well, they seem unguardable to me. And I guess Jokic is always unguardable. When he plays well offensively, He's just such a special physical talent. He doesn't put it all together, particularly on the defensive end. And he, he's not the centerpiece of the offense, nor, should, nor, nor do I think he should be. But when he's shooting from three well and he's cutting to the basket and banging on people, like that's a, and I think also my bias creeps in in my basketball history watching is like, I want big athletic wings. Like I feel comfortable and he yeah. is that. Every championship team seems to have one of those guys. And he's not a true one because it's normally the reason why they're big and athletic or the best thing about them being big and athletic is their contributions defensively. He doesn't give you that. But it feels to me like when I watch this team play, Jokic and Murray are fairly consistent. You know, like they'll, they'll go yeah, a little yeah. bit of below their average, a little bit above their average. But he's the one that fluctuates greatly. And then it, it feels like a true big three when he's out there. When he's not, it doesn't. Well, no, because he's he is an incredible tough shot maker. And like, yeah. you know, I think it was like two or three years ago where he was near the top of the league in three point percentage. And he's you know, still shot 41% this year. But it, okay, it was 20, it was the year after the bubble, he shot 45% from three. Like he is at that point, I was like, okay, this guy could be end up being a 6'10 Clay Thompson. The problem with Michael Porter Jr., you're right, it's incredibly tantalizing, but when it's bad, he's just like a more tantalizing version of Davis Bertans. And you can't oscillate between someone who's a 6'10 Clay Thompson to yeah. just like a guy doing cardio from corner to corner. Uh, I was going to say a poor man's cat, but I guess cat is the actual centerpiece of that offense in a way that, that Michael Porter's not, but he just looks so explosive and athletic and it seems so easy to unlock. And when he does unlock it, it seems unstoppable, but he also has very bad judgment, it would seem. It's just, you know, he definitely has some bad judgment on the shots he will and won't take. I think we can all agree on that. Yes, he does. He does. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else in these playoffs that is that is fun that I'm missing out on that uh, is interesting? I, I mean, I do feel like this is the Devin Booker coming out party. Yeah. And if they lose this round, it's going to be sad because it's not going to uh, we're not going to remember this playoffs for as special as it was for Devin Booker. And I guess the same thing could be said for Jimmy Butler, but at least the Jimmy Butler one over eight thing or eight over one thing is something that I think we'll always remember. It'll be a part of trivia and stuff. It'll be a part of his story and his career. But if Devin Booker makes, takes them to the finals, I think we, he moves up a tier in our mind. Uh, and if he doesn't, it doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to move up a tier, but he's not going to. The thing that I would let I, I'd end on the Booker thing first. Okay. We all, for, I shouldn't say we, I remember when he was talking trash to Luka Doncic and then yeah. Mavs beat him by 40 last year. And I was like, look, they're tears, they're levels to this shit. You're not even close to a Luka Doncic level player. You poked the bear, you had a better team, and then you got fucking pounded. This dude's averaging 37 points per game in the postseason. 37. He's shooting 51% from seven. three. Yeah. And he's had a string of games where like, they actually need him to shoot 70% from the field, and he's doing it. Right. Yeah. If he continues this postseason, win or lose playing that way, it is completely ridiculous to not include him in that tier with, with Luka and those guys as not just like – and Luka and Curry, those are the three best guards in the world. I'm going to keep saying it because it feels like you don't want to appreciate how important the defense is to all of them. No, no, the defense is amazing. Yeah, he was a one-way player in the start of his career. He was a joke on defense, and now he's a legitimate tough guy. That's a big knock against Luca. And yeah. even though Steph is better on defense, he's still the guy that it feels like the Lakers are trying to create mismatches with. They're still running screens to try to get Steph isolated. Nobody is running screens to get Devin Booker isolated. He's yeah. making defensive plays. And like I, I I complained about this earlier, how there really is no good stat for um 
advanced stat for defensive play in basketball is just like eye tests. And we generally underappreciate how valuable uh, a contribution a defensive player can make unless you're a rim protector. But Clay Thompson, Devin Booker, uh, old Clay Thompson, obviously, these yeah. are keys to, to a championship run. Being able to, uh, we don't clip out like, contested shots and put them apart as a part of the championship highlight reel. But I promise you, if you look back at any championship run, I think Wiggins last year, it's yeah. incredible. Like those are plays that if you can get all of that out of one player, he can be your, the engine to your offense on one end. And he wasn't guarding Murray much, but like still in the first round, he was a lot more locked in on defensive challenges and he will be at some point, there are going to be big wings that he's going to have to defend and Kevin Durant can, Parole the back. I wish DeAndre Ayton was better. For the record, Kevin Durant also. Like I think people have been saying his defense has been underrated for about 10 years. It's properly rated. It's unbelievable in the postseason yeah, at this point. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, if anything, I think defense is coming to a premium in this postseason. Like we're seeing the dominant guys not just be one-way players. Mm-hmm. Anthony Davis can look like that. I don't even know what he looks like. He's like an alien when he's playing his best. It's not fair that, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching, but I feel like his impact on the defensive end of the floor is just as valuable as anybody's impact on the other end of the floor. We're not talking about him nearly as much because it's not 36 points and shooting 51% from three. Yeah, his offense is is different and effective sometimes and not like – not explosive or pretty, and it's not like give me the ball and ISO like Devin Booker shooting over double teams. His offense is fine, but what he's doing on defense is just as valuable to me, at least. It seems just as oh, valuable yeah. as his ability to to um, guard the screen and roll and still get back uh, and protect the basket and rebound and outlet. Like these things are just as important as offensive contribution. One of the things you said you texted me, or and this is something we can dig deeper in on a future pod is the return of the big guys the most valuable position in uh, in basketball. And the thing that I think, I genuinely think this, unless there's a Kawhi Leonard, someone who's like truly, you know, one of the three best perimeter defenders of all time, defense player of the year should always go to a big guy because the impact that someone like Anthony Davis can have. If you have someone who can guard horizontally and vertically and be agile enough to play with guards and shut down pick and rolls, he has changed an offense that ran through the NBA for the last eight years in the Golden State Warriors. They are not comfortable playing that brand of basketball because one person can can patrol so much of the paint. And that value cannot be met by a guard. It is impossible. It's impossible. Yeah. All right. Roses and thorns. Basketball is awesome. Now time for roses and thorns. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. Three, two, yeah. Yeah. I like when you, I was just getting excited for three, two, one. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> three, two, one. Here's a better one. Three, two, one. Welcome to Roses and Thorns. My favorite part of the podcast because it is with my favorite person. I like that. Yeah, I'm I'm working on a new uh like tagline like for Roses and better. Thorns. Yeah, that's good. I mean, Charlie may not appreciate it, but man. Oh yeah. Well, no, of course, like the part with Charlie is better, but like for this, you're sitting talking to your wife. Of course you like talking to your wife. It's my favorite person. I know you're my favorite person too. Can I start with an early rose, y'all? For those of you who are watching, you already see this, but for most of you who are listening, Dominique got his first low haircut since like before COVID, right? Or did you start growing out even before COVID? Like was COVID what necessitated this? No, I think I started growing it a little bit before COVID. Okay. And then COVID just. And then, yeah, COVID happened and it went wild and, and, uh, I don't know. I'm just tired of it. It's getting needed to get it cut. But so the low haircut to me makes him look like a, not a child. That would be inappropriate, but like young. Um, and it's crazy. Like now I'm like, oh, me and all my grades don't tell me to dye my hair because I want to look young like my husband. Um, so that's a rose. I didn't think it was a rose. When he was talking about getting his hair cut low again, I was like, eh, I'm used to it like this. Like, I like to play with it. Like, don't cut it. Yeah, I could tell. I could sense that you were not um, keen on the idea, but. No, I wasn't. I was I'm tired happy. of it. I know I didn't I wasn't excited for it, but that's an early rose. So thank you for that. Yeah, we, uh, I forgot how I mean, I guess it's just um, the like the photo apps that like save our photos occasionally send us old school pictures. I love looking at old pictures, guys, of my family is like my favorite pastime. Like when I get the Apple reports that say how many hours I wasted on my cell phone, which I think are like harassment. Like I hate when they send me those because it just makes me feel bad about my life. I've decided that they must count all my Apple music listening in the car. I don't think they do because the screen is actually off. But anyway, it is my favorite pastime. So go ahead. And I send him look what it's like today and I send him all of them. So go ahead. I mean, we don't look that much older. I feel like they're we're obviously I I look so much older. I don't think you look that much older. I I know it's because you see me every day. I know, but when I look at an old picture of you from 10 years ago and look at you now, I'm like, yes, this person is older, but it's not like like that much older. You still like I feel like anybody who's watching this would think you were ridiculous for trying to argue that you look old. No, I don't think I look old, but I think I look older. And what's funny is I remember when I was younger, like younger as in like 30, like I'm 38 now, I'll be 39 in July, but like not super young, like, you know, still a parent, like whatever, maybe like even 32, 33. I remember thinking probably since after Emerson, but probably around 33, after my third child, I breastfed her for an inordinate amount of time because she had to like tell me stop. And like, now I see my sister breastfeeding my almost two-year-old niece. And I'm like, this baby is too big for that. I breastfed Amy until she was like 25 months. But I think just at night, um, and eventually she just refused to accept my breast milk anymore. But it was selfish on my part because I think I mentioned last time that I have Crohn's disease. And I found with each pregnancy that the moment I stopped breastfeeding, I would, um, like I would be fine without medication, none of my injections from like, you know, early on in my pregnancy till I kept breast, till the moment I stopped breastfeeding. And the moment I stopped breastfeeding, I would get sick again. And then, you know, I would just have to go start going back for my appointments and getting my like infusions and whatnot. But I really enjoyed life without my medicine. So I was like, I'm going to scare her into breastfeeding forever. <laughs> so I never have to take this medicine. And she was like, stop. Um, I'm sorry, I curse. But because of that, it made me thin. So like, I was probably the thinnest I have been in my adult life after like when Emmy was like one and a half two um and I was eating more like clean yeah um I mean not my adult life but like since I had Avery probably um and so after I had three kids like what you said I was my thinnest um 
And so, and I was like working out for the first time then, like I never worked out when I was younger and thinner. So I was like actually looking a little bit better. Look, go back. Those pictures are great. But around that point, I thought that I actually looked slightly younger with like a slightly chubbier face, right? Like, cause like when you're young, babies have round faces, like, and I would see pictures and I'm like, wow, you look really young here. It's cause your face is chubby. But now the face is just getting chubby because I'm getting white. I do not believe that anymore. Like, I'm like, I need my face to be slimmer. Let me shave five pounds. I want to buy, you see Instagram ads for those like face sculpting tools. Have I ordered one? Yes. Not the expensive one, the Amazon knockoff. Have I opened it and used it yet? No, that's my problem. Like I'm not that committed to these things. And I'm that be. stuff doesn't work. Shoot. Looks like it works in the Instagram ad. I'm gonna try it. And I need it back to taking my Mary Ruth's vitamins. They don't. They don't work. What vitamins? You got some youth vitamins. What are we taking? My Mary Ruth's. It's a vitamin brand. Remember the ones that I told you before that said that suddenly your gray hairs turn back again <laughs> or whatever color. Like so I'm trying those. And they're just healthy. Like just vitamins. Let me you're be too, healthy. You're too smart to fall for that. You're gonna be really disappointed. Or I guess you won't be disappointed because you're smart enough to know that none of that garbage works. No, but if not, I'll just take vitamins for the sake of taking vitamins. So anyway, back to the point that he got his haircut. And I'm gonna look young like him one day. Either my vitamins will work, or my hair dye will work, or my face sculpting tool will work. No, no, it works. Just be old. Or working out will work. That doesn't seem like it works because I just work out to eat a lot, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that like the the. I mean, I'm not a nutritionist or a, a personal trainer, but I don't think that you can like work out your way to slim. I like, know. It's, if you are like eat, like you have to like. I don't know. It has to be diet. I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm, no, I'm you're giving right. Terrible advice, but like, like when I was skinny, yeah, yeah, it was breastfeeding and eating yeah. healthy. Um, speaking of, we can bring up a thorn for Dominique. Okay, so this guy started going my internist, who's like super thorough. I love her, and he got like like more health information about himself than I wish he had. Um, one of them was that he is pre pre diabetic. Like, like a lot of pre's there, guys. Like he's good for now, but something to watch. So yes, you should watch it. Like you should not have your huge size bowl of cinnamon toast crunch every night at midnight anymore. Like there are things that you should do I went to the doctor. I know. But instead of just doing that, he went to Safeway and bought chia seeds, almonds, and oats. And basically that's all he, and avocado. He doesn't, he just decided avocado was going to be good for this plan. And that's, basically all he eats. And so I feel like I'm turning into my mother where I'm like, I have to make sure I have a carb-free meal option because like, like, so that is a thorn. Whatever you cook for dinner, but like I'm on my own for breakfast and lunch. So it's, it's easy to make. And like, I don't, I know I like food, but I, I'm fine with bland food as long as it's not gross and it meets the purpose. Like I'm good. I got well, you have to try the overnight oats I made for you because no offense, I'm sure they're a lot better than the ones you've been making for yourself. Because he eats so bland. He's just like, let me put this oats and some milk and maybe a little bit of vanilla. I put some blueberries in it, some cinnamon, some nutmeg, vanilla, um, monk fruit to give it a little sweetness without giving you sugar. Um, so you have to try that. So it's a thorn because I'm a hater, but I'm not a hater. Like I want you to be healthy. I want you to live so nah, long. You want me to die trying to get that life insurance money. That is not true at all. I'm good. Um, but so I want you to live for a really long time. Not for but long. I just I see, I see them shopping bills coming in. Somebody gonna have to die. Or, or I think you were like overcorrecting, and then it makes me feel bad about myself. But then the rose, and it could be that like I could join you in this, and maybe I could be thin. Nah, I'm not gonna join you in. Nah, I mean we had this conversation before too. Like food for you, like it's really you it really makes me enjoy. So it. Happy. It's like fun. It's like part of. Yeah, it's not like I don't have that same feeling about food. So, like, I don't care. I I like to have a good meal. Um, Occasionally, I like to have some dessert every now and then. But you like dessert as much as possible. And you also just like regular food. You just, like, get excited for food. food. It makes me so yeah. happy. Speaking so. of that, we went on a date. That's another rose. I feel like we used to do a really good job of doing weekly date nights. Like, I would say, I would have said maybe two years ago, if someone had ever been, like, what are the keys to, like, your happy relationship, I would have said two things. And one is just very spoiled that we're able to have it. But I mean, both are spoiled. A lot of people can't go on dates every week on childcare or, you know, I guess you can find free dates, but whatever. But one that's really spoiled is having separate bathrooms. <laughs> we have separate bathrooms and closets and that's very important to me. Um, and like, if we ever were to move, that would be like, either there would need to be separate bathrooms or I would need to know that we could add one on. Um, and the other one, though, is very regular date nights. Like, I think we got to the point once, like, 
all of our kids were like sleeping through the night where we were going on dates like once a week, which some people might have thought was a dream. But I really valued that time with you. And oftentimes it would end up being like going out to eat and drink because I love to eat and drink and like you get dressed up to go out to eat and drink. And I like to get dressed up and wear heels, but I don't like to wear heels if I actually have to walk a lot. But to go out to eat is a perfect time to wear heels because you just get to go sit down. Um, but we hadn't in a while. Like it kind of fell off. Like I feel like stuff with the kids got stressful and work for you was busier. Um, and so, I mean, it was just one week, but we went on a date. And I felt like it was our first date and like maybe since spring break, but we were so tired. I mean, we, we still went back to the same place. No, we didn't. We went to a place we'd never been before. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about the other time where we went to the same place. Oh, yeah. Place. So you were yeah. right. We kind of hung out twice Um, because right. we had a double date one night, a double date, but that was super quick. And that was at one of our old like places we always go. And then we um went to the there's like a new like walking distance from our house, but we didn't walk. It was really good. So we never been there before. It was great. So thank you for that. It's another roast. Oh yeah, it was fun, and we didn't talk about the kids the whole time, which was I also know. nice. We I managed know. to um, have some new topics. To I don't even remember what we talked about, but I remember thinking as we were going home, "Wow, that was good." Didn't even talk about the kids, but for five or ten minutes, which is I know nice to have a little. You know, um, at one point I jokingly was like, I mean, I wasn't joking, I was serious. Like, I think it was around Christmas or before Christmas. I was like, so if anyone has any idea what we can talk about on this, can you send it to me? And a friend sent me like a list of her. She was like, don't judge. Like, I need to know. I don't want to waste my time on people of her first date questions, which were like so thorough and so um, and like interesting um, questions that would help you get to know someone quickly. <laughs> like obviously not everyone does it on first dates, but like I could see people being like, oh, like here's some good like starter questions for dates. But I feel like they're almost more important like 20 years into going on dates or however yeah. many years it's been. Cause like we've talked about everything. A lot of those questions, it was like, I already knew your answer to them. But um, but like like how you see those like party games, like to get discussions started. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we should have, they should have those but for married couples. Yeah, that's I, I think that's fair. Cause you end up falling back on the same things where I'll just like ask you about your friends or ask you uh about the news or something and you tend not to want to talk about any of that stuff so try to ask about some pop culture or something and it's just it gets bad fast but the the idea of having some prompts for conversations would be great but also that's kind of stressful to me to imagine and I guess we, we've had this conversation a few times about how fortunate we feel that we never really were in that like looking for somebody Oh my god, I know. On a phase, because that's like I don't know. We 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 did together. not mean to find the person we would marry as twenty one yeah. and twenty two or twenty two, twenty one and twenty three. Oh, I don't know how old we are, but yeah, anyway, yeah. it was too young. Yeah. I mean, it was, I guess, but it's also like I don't know. I, I talked to some of my friends who are at this point in their life, kind of like, eh, uh, I wouldn't mind settling down, but also they're men, so they also really enjoy the life out there but it just feels so stressful to be like i know trying to date people yeah and try to figure them out and, and like i would actually want to not have gray gray hairs like i do and like want to salt my face if i were like on the market you know with you i'm just like uh he knows where each of those gray hairs came from he loves them yeah, <laughs> and you I'm actually good. do want me to be gray if you were dating fresh right now at the age 40 do you think you'd be like looking for someone with gray hair would you be like is it really just what you're attracted to I don't think I'd be looking for somebody with gray hair, but it, it's it's not a turnoff to me. I don't know. I think that it, I, I may not. I don't know. You could talk to other people, but I think I'm probably not alone. Like 40 year old plus men, like I could understand lots of things could turn men off. But like gray hair is not something that we sit around and be like, oh, that gray hair. Ugh. That's not, like it's, there are other things that will upset us old men. But like what? Uh, nothing that you have. You're perfect. And who do you sit around and have these conversations with? Um, I don't know. This is part of the reason. Like I, I've sent you an article that this is a perfect segue into. You don't need to know all my conversations. <laughs> so I was thinking that that's something that we talked about on our date, this article. And I was about to bring it up from that. Like that gave us something to talk about, which was nice. Um, Look at you segueing like a pro. Okay, tell me about tell update people on that article. Tell them so there was the a um, the New York Times ethicist was talking about an article or was responding to someone who a man who went through his wife's phone and saw that his wife was 
talking shit about him to her friends. They like moved to a new place and he hadn't found a job yet. But from his perspective, it, he was doing the best he could. And it was not a financial strain on them because they were still living off of the money that they had made from selling their house and moving. And so she just was calling him all types of deadbeats and and saying how she resents looking at him and she's telling her friends this. And he is like, assume, I, I assume that the relationship seemed fine otherwise him because he's like shocked by this and then can't really recover relationship wise. So I guess there's a couple different things about it that I found interesting. A, looking through phones. I did it before. Like, I did it before when we were dating. It was awful <laughs> then. It's always awful. And, and yes. And I will say I don't do it now like i don't feel compelled to and that's the thing i think if you feel compelled to there's a there's an issue um but i remember when i did it when we were dating and i found things that i did not appreciate but then with this mother effer break up with me afterwards and it's like because you went through my phone i'm like you know what you can have it like obviously we ended up getting back together (laughs) i was a little bit sad but i was also angry i was like no like i was telling you like i'm considering that i should break up with you and you're talking and here's how trifling he was guys it was when he lived in denver yes trifling because we go to the ruby tuesday by the denver airport and we're like i just wanted to leave i was like i need to go to the airport let's go but then we were there super early and by the time we were driven from centennial where he lived to the airport it was like we were in a place to talk so i was like i have hours for a flight let's go the only place nearby is ruby tuesday we go to the Ruby Tuesday. We're like, okay, I'm like, you know, not as upset anymore. And he's like, um, you know, like talking, like maybe a tiny bit apologetic about what was in the text, but also like, I just can't believe you went through my phone. Um, and then, but it was like, but well, we'll figure this out. Da, da, da. How about after he drops me to the airport, I get the security and he texts me to break up with me. You could have broke up with me at the Ruby Tuesday. You could have not broken up with me at all because we were equally in the wrong. Um, or I'm not saying we were equally in the wrong. Like I was in the wrong about one thing. It's a whole separate category of what you were in the wrong about. But anyway, we managed to get back together eventually. Lucky. <laughs> I relate to the article. I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> not that there's nothing to continue about. I just... The, yeah, I don't think you should go through people's phones. No, I mean, I think what's more interesting about going through people's phones and not going through people's phones, I think everyone agrees that you shouldn't. And I think most people with good sense would agree that uh, if you feel the need to, then there's probably something more concerning. But I think what I found interesting was the further I read into it was kind of the 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 um, decision, I guess, relationship decision that you make between like complete transparency and some level of like privacy and coming off of you saying how you could never live with me if we had to share a bathroom. Like I would assume (laughs) that you appreciate some level of privacy. And like now I obviously now we've been married for a long time. I've never like had any incidences of cheating or anything like that. So like, I'm not concerned about you. If you know of any guys, DM him about them, tweet him about them. If you know of any, I feel like this always is scary. It's like, so there used to be a site back when we were first dating that was like, luckily you weren't like a big player, but I'm like, this is so rude where it was like, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like, tell on famous or like athlete spouses or like like it was like that's what the site was dedicated to and someone else brought it to my attention because like someone found their husband on there and I was like I will never go looking like let me tell you I might look through his phone sometimes but I'm not trying to be on there so I'm like we're saying stuff like this and I fully trust you but like somebody from like 2008 we weren't married yet might roll up and be like "Mm, but did you know um and you know what I don't even care what happened in 2008 I'm past 2008. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm in I, 2023. I, I, it's not just about protecting myself because, like, there's certainly things in, uh, in conversations that I'm like, I don't feel like justifying any conversation I had. But it's also like, I don't want to read your text. I don't know if you mad at me and you want to talk shit to your friends about me. By all means, get it off your chest. And I don't want to yeah. be like going through your phone. Yeah, that's like, really weird. You know what I mean? Like that. You just, would never. Yeah, I would never go through your phone. I just, I but know. then again, I give you my phone all the time. So like, I would never be in a place where I'm in the middle of a conversation about. And quite honestly, there have been times where like I've been talking to like maybe one of my children's like providers or saying stuff about my child that like 
he or she doesn't know yet <laughs> or that like I wouldn't want them to know that I was telling someone, but it's been like in an important context. But I give my kids my phone sometimes to play music, right? So I like worry, I'm like, shit, like I hope someone so doesn't answer and respond to, you know, that about this appointment or, you know, that this is going on. Um, but with you, like if I were to have like conversations about you with people that I, you know, you might want to read, like so many times I'm like, oh, here, take my phone and do this. Oh, here, like link to such and such on there. Can you get so-and-so on his or her Zoom? Like, so I wouldn't be able to do that because like to talk shit on my phone because, because I feel like we're in like a, and I, you give me your phone a lot for stuff. Like, like you never know when the message could come in. I had that feeling a couple of days ago when um, Avery had forgotten her phone and she, when she rides with me, I let her control the music from her own phone normally, but she didn't have mm -hmm. her phone. And so I gave her my phone and I'm in the middle of like playful trash talk with some of my friends, which mm. is like, it's, it's something that I wouldn't want her to read <laughs> just like, and uh, yeah, like profanity laden, threatening trash talk about FIFA. It's not a big deal. It's an Xbox game, but like, we get a good laugh out of like berate each other. And I was like, damn, I'm going to have to explain this to Avery if, if, cause I have it. So like the, um, the messages pop up and you can read them. They pop at the top of the screen. You don't even have to look for them. I was like, oh. it made me think about this where it's like, huh? I don't know. And I've had friends send me stuff about their own business and yeah. send me and then there are plenty of times that we could see that with each other. Like, like we have it not all the time, but like, so uh, yeah, we're, we're at a state where like basically like how old people have you ever seen like when old couples like my parents used to basically share an email address or like uh -huh. other couples I've seen even young couples like our age they'll create like a separate email address and put that down for all their kids stuff for instance like so like all the school stuff is just going right. to like it'd be like Ashley and Dominique at gmail.com um and it's like that. Like, you should just assume, guys, his phone message might go to me. Mine might go to him because we do. You look so young. Oh, my God. I was just looking at you. I was like, who is this 26-year-old? I've had friends who had their um, Instagrams uh, taken <laughs> because cause Instagram is a, is a dangerous place. So they've had to, to merge Instagram accounts with, with their wives because that's the only way. It's funny, though, because, like, I, I don't know, no one ever, um, I'm certainly not going to, like, make the case for uh, the guys who have cheated and women who have cheated, but talking to someone and also being someone who's alive in this world, like, you recognize how those things can happen. And when you, like, hear in isolation a story about somebody cheating, it's a lot different than when you're friends with somebody for a long time and then you hear the story about them cheating where I, I'm always like, damn, like, I, I, I don't know, hearing them, a story about them getting caught cheating. I'm always like, I don't know. It's different than the position or the, the, the way that I feel about it. It's always different than if I don't know the person where like, I'm going to side with them. And it's like, I don't know. You just, you, you ain't do nothing that bad. You yeah. On the one hand, I feel like stuff. I'm going to side with them. Of course you're going to side with your people. Right. But on the other hand, there've been other instances where I'm like, disappointed in the person because I know them like like I'm not really disappointed in a random person who cheats because I don't know them and it's not my business not my place to be disappointed but it's like because I know if you know one you know both partners chances are um even That's if you're you. more friends with one than the other better, no you never would be like man than me I don't no I mean it's not my business and I would never admit that I was but I'm like oh Oh, but other times I'm like, good for you. You needed that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's mostly how I feel. Honestly, usually that's it. Usually, yeah. That's it. And it's like it's it's. I was gonna say it's sexist. Now that I won't be thinking good for you, you needed that in yeah, your case. I, yeah, it's not even that I'm sexist because like I know women who have cheated too, and I'm like, hey, we would never. We do not. Yeah. You're a lie. Okay. Yeah. Sure thing. I have another rose for you that you got ready for Mother's uh, Day. I got a great more, streak going. More than a week in advance. Oh, yeah. That's just because I got mixed up. I didn't know what day it was. I know. I know. I was like, I think he might think Mother's Day is tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't matter. We got we got some we got you something. Yeah. Gotta take care of these other kids, make sure we get you something. And I don't know. My mom is cool. I'll just write her a card. She'll be all right. Well, I was looking online for stuff for her earlier and to send to you to ask. And I called my mom. I was like, Mom, she was like, don't get me anything. Mm -mm -mm -mm. But the problem is my mom says that I never remember the birthday of hers when i don't know how old i was blockbusters was still open but i had like spending money so let's say i had 20 dollars. 
I know the blockbusters were still open because no, it was Mother's Day. Excuse me, it was Mother's Day because all that I got her was we were at blockbusters renting DVDs. You know how blockbusters used to resell like yeah. ones like after new releases when they have a bunch of extras, they resell. So I got her the Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Thirteen, whichever it was. DVD with my little $20 from Buckbuster. It's like, we just happened to be there. I couldn't drive yet. We just happened to be there like renting stuff. It was like, oh, it's Mother's Day. I gotta go buy her something. I'm at Buckbuster. I'm gonna buy her this. So I bought her something. And my mom always was like, don't worry. I also don't get me anything. I don't need anything. My sister, my older sister didn't get her anything. My dad was like, you did not. And then my mom could tell she was like, you didn't give me nothing. And so she tells me this now as I'm like 38 and I'm on the phone with her and I could buy her more than a Blockbuster DVD. And so I call her this morning. She's like, um, and I'm like, so is there any particular color like bag you might want for summer or anything? Some shoes, like anything you want? Don't get me anything. I mean it. I, mm -mm. But it's like, I think she's telling the truth this time because like my mom's very much a like, let me get rid of that person. It's like, she doesn't want any excess anymore. Oh my God. I was, I was going through my summer clothes, like moving them over. Well, actually you don't keep your clothes. I get rid of a lot of stuff. You get rid of a lot of clothes, but you keep a lot of other stuff that we don't need. Well, even clothes now though, I'm like, why do I have all these? When's the last time I wore this sundress? Like, but this is why I'm wearing a dress today. <laughs> you can't tell it's a dress, but it's a dress. Um, Cause I was in my closet trying to under, with my workout leggings underneath, um, trying stuff on. I was like, gotta be ready. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Is she joking or is she serious? Like, I, I think I need to come with something. Maybe get like a, Lush. I feel like I used to bat when I was a child, like Bath and Body Works baskets we might go to. Now they still have Bath and Body Works, but now I'm like, get her some Lush stuff. That's my go-to gift now because I can't ever since that time when I saw how upset the guy at my sister, I cannot get her nothing even when she says to give her nothing. Yeah, no, nah, my mom's cool. She's she grew up with sons. She, but she really likes every time we give her something good, and she of course like, she does. But she also don't trip when she don't get nothing good. Maybe she does. Maybe in her text messages to her friends, she talk about her trash. <laughs> yes, yes. We gotta ask Lorenzo to break into her phone. I'm not going through her phone to find out. I'm a good son. All I, <laughs> I know that I am. Anyway, all right, we're good. I think. Well, I enjoyed talking to you, per always. I know this was our date night for a few weeks there it's the only time where we just sit i know and yeah. honestly like i was fine like and that was fine i wasn't realizing that like i missed date nights or date days in this case and maybe that's why because we had this little bit of time and people are just like why are you making us listen in on your dates can we just end the show now no they like our dates <laughs> I hope. All right. Love you, bud. Thank you, Ashley. Thanks, Christina. Thanks, Adi. Thanks, Sarah and Charlie. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.